Good morning. Scott Luton here with you on this edition of This Week in Business History. Welcome to today's show. On this program, which is part of the Supply Chain Now family of programming, we take a look back at the upcoming week, and then we share some of the most relevant events and milestones from years past. Of course, mostly business-focused, with a little dab of global supply chain, and occasionally, we might just throw in a good story outside of our primary realm. So I invite you to join me on this look back in history to identify some of the most significant leaders, companies, innovations, and perhaps lessons learned in our collective business journey. Now, let's dive in to this week in business history. Hello, and thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Scott Luton, and welcome to this edition of This Week in Business History for March 1st, 2021. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Did you know that today begins Women's History Month in the U.S., which stems from a resolution passed by Congress on March 1st, 1987? Before we get started today, I'd like to share just a couple of things. First, I'd be really grateful if any of our listeners were to write a review for This Week in Business History on your podcast platform, especially any Apple listeners. That helps our podcast be found by others that might also enjoy the intersection of business and history. So big thanks in advance. Secondly, if you're a big fan of startup tech and entrepreneurial journeys, Check out my friend Greg White and his Tequila Sunrise podcast. That's T-E-C-H, Tequila Sunrise. Always entertaining and informative, and you won't be disappointed. Lastly, a big high five to a friend of the show, Jason Hoke. Jason produced the massively popular Boomtown podcast series, which was about the booms and busts of the Texas oil fields. Well, Paramount Plus has announced that it's producing a new TV series based on Boomtown. How about that? Congrats to Jason and his team over at Imperative Entertainment for this incredible and exciting news. Okay, so let's get back to this week in business history. Today, we're going to be sharing a wide variety of historical moments and notable dates in business history. If you like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, then you found the right place here today. We have a list of four historical facts that you may have forgotten. And thanks again for joining us here today on This Week in Business History, powered by our team here at Supply Chain Now. So number one on our list, let's talk vacations. Hey, we all need a vacation after what we've endured in recent months, right? One of the most visited vacation spots in the United States is Yellowstone National Park. In fact, over 4 million people visited the park in 2019, making it one of the top 10 parks in the US. Geographically speaking, it's located in the western half of the country and the park touches Wyoming Montana, and Idaho. On March 1st, 1872, U.S. President Ulysses S. Grant signed the Act of Dedication, a law that created Yellowstone National Park. Thus, you may have forgotten that Yellowstone is the oldest national park in the United States and the second oldest in the entire world. As far as the oldest goes, many claim that would be Bagan Ul National Park in Mongolia, which was established in 1778. Number two on our list of four historical facts that you may have forgotten. Just how big was U.S. Steel? On March 2nd, 1901, 
J.P. Morgan pulled off quite a feat. He brought together three companies under one roof, Carnegie Steel Company, Federal Steel Company, and National Steel Company. J.P. Morgan financed the deal for around $500 million, forming the United States Steel Company, better known as U.S. Steel. You just may have forgotten that U.S. Steel would be the first American company to reach $1 billion in market valuation. Over the next 50 years, U.S. Steel would become a global behemoth. In 1943, it would have more than 340,000 employees. For a short period, it would be the largest steel producer and biggest corporation in the entire world. For almost 20 years, from the 1940s to the 1960s, U.S. Steel would sponsor the United States Steel Hour on CBS. Have you been to Walt Disney World in Florida? Well, U.S. Steel built both the Contemporary Resort and the Polynesian Resort. However, as things would play out by late 20th century, only about one-third of the company's business would be steel. As the company had diversified, a holding company was created to better manage all the assets and businesses. USX Corporation would be that holding company. But in 2002, U.S. Steel Corporation will be spun off from USX Corporation and get back to its roots, making steel. Here's a fun fact. Did you know that in 1940, the hapless and winless Pittsburgh Pirates made a big decision to rename their football team the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two years later, they would complete their first winning season and they'd go on to become the first NFL team to win six Super Bowls. Number three on our list, the compact disc. On March 2nd, 1983, the compact disc or CD for short would become available for the first time in the United States. The invention is largely attributed to James Russell. But you may have forgotten that two big companies partnered to really make it a reality. And that was when Sony and Philips collaborated to co-develop the technology. Did you ever play music on CDs? I certainly did. I got into music just as the CD was becoming widely prevalent and the dominant medium for music. In fact, according to Ryan Juanita at Digital Trends, 1985 was a key turning point for the compact disc. And even more specifically, it was the Dire Straits album, Brothers in Arms, that helped make it happen. The group had recorded their album on the latest digital equipment and released it on CD in May 1985. By 1988, CD sales would surpass vinyl. And by 1991, the CD would finally catch up and surpass the cassette. My first CD and CD player were given to me for Christmas 1989 from my parents. The CD player was an early and simple Panasonic model. And my first CD? Well, my mom picked out Candyman's Ain't No Shame in My Game album. And finally, number four on our list of four historical facts that you may have forgotten. The first female member of U.S. Congress. On March 4, 1917, Jeanette Pickering Rankin would become the first woman to hold federal office in the United States. She had been born near Missoula, Montana back in 1880 and graduated from the University of Montana in 1902. Rankin would spend considerable time after college in Washington and California, where she would be campaigning for women's rights and especially suffrage. She would return to her home state of Montana and win a 1916 campaign to the U.S. House of Representatives. 
Rankin would serve only one term initially, but was voted back into office in 1940. A lifetime pacifist, Rankin was the only legislator to vote against the declaration of war on Japan after the Pearl Harbor attack in 1941. Rankin was always active for a wide variety of causes, be it women, consumers, workers, you name it. She was tireless and passionate. In fact, at the age of 87, she led more than 5,000 women in a march on Capitol Hill to oppose the Vietnam War. The group called themselves the Jeanette Rankin Brigade. Finally, we'll wrap with a few notable birthdays this week. Born March 5, 1986, Michael Krieger in Sao Paulo, Brazil. He'd moved to California in 2004 to attend Stanford. In a computer programming class, Krieger would meet Kevin Systrom. In 2010, the duo would start Instagram. Before they resigned from the company just eight years later, the platform would have about 1 billion monthly active users. Born March 6, 1944, Mary Wilson in Greenville, Mississippi. The family would move to Detroit a few years later. Wilson would meet Florence Ballard in the Brewster Douglas Housing Projects in Detroit, and the pair became best friends, and they loved to sing. They met Diana Ross and Betty McClown in the early 1960s, and the four friends named their singing group the Primettes. One of their friends named Smokey Robinson helped broker a meeting with the Primettes and Barry Gordy of Motown Records. Mr. Gordy agreed to sign them under one condition. They got to change the name. And the legendary Supremes were born. Born March 7, 1942, Tamara Faye Lavallee in International Falls, Minnesota. She'd later become known globally in the 1980s as one half of the television evangelism dynamic duo of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Well, that just about wraps up this edition of This Week in Business History. Big thanks to you, our listener, for tuning into the show each week. Be sure to check out a wide variety of industry thought leadership at supplychainnow.com. Hey, friendly reminder, of course, you can find This Week in Business History wherever you get your podcast from. And be sure to tell us what you think. Again, we'd love to have your review. On behalf of the entire team here at This Week, in business history and supply chain now, this is Scott Luton wishing you all nothing but the best. Hey, do good, get forward, be the change that's needed. And on that note, we'll see you next time here on This Week in Business History. Thanks, everybody.